Hey, everybody, this is Tiffany Carlson, and you're listening to uh, Life After Paralysis, and it's almost fall, and we're doing a new show, and we decided to have someone on that. We did an outreach thing about a month ago, and Chris was one of these people that came to me and said, hey, I would love to be on your show because I have a story to tell you, and I was pretty easy to remember this person, so when I was thinking about people to do the show with, I was like, let's let's talk to Chris. So, Chris, how are you? Welcome. Good. I'm doing all right. Yeah, I love your accent. You are from Missouri, right? Uh, Missouri, but born in Nebraska. So I have this weird northern southern thing going on. I like that. Sounds cute. Yeah. Are you like in a small town then? Or what kind of life are you living out there? Uh, Yeah, I grew up in a town of 70, some 75 people. What? I spent most of my life in very small towns. When I I moved, I moved to a town of 150. Wow. Wow. So that's that's your normal then, huh? Yeah. I I go to work in the big city of like 8,000 or something. It's not, (laughs) uh, it's still small. (laughs) Okay. I have so many questions about that, but I I don't want to get off track here. That's really interesting though, to grow up in a small town life like that. I think I would like that actually, because you know everybody, right? Uh, Yeah, that's good and bad. Uh, as far as uh, wheelchair accessibility, usually pretty bad. Really? <laughs> Even if they know you, they don't put ramps in the stores for Chris? Because, hey, Chris is in town. We got to put a ramp out for him. No? You would be surprised how bad it is. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, that's too bad. Well, I think it's cool. I'm that working you- on it, though. That's another side project. I'm an doing. advocacy thing? Yes. You have to make people aware of, of these, like, you know, a couple steps is a huge thing for someone in a wheelchair. And I know a lot of people in other countries, they're like, oh, they'll tell you, we'll let you in. We'll carry you up the stairs. That's not accessibility. Yeah. If I need your help, that's not really working for me. So I hope you can talk to them. That's not like, I mean, they hear from me plenty. (laughs) Oh, you've already started it. Okay. Is it one of those things where they're grandfathered in and, or are they just not following the law with ADA? Uh, um, some think they're grandfathered in, which that's not really a thing. Right. Uh, I've read all the laws. I've got the books. Seriously? So yeah. no, one's, uh, no one's grandfathered in at all? No, unless it's historically significant. Seriously? That's good. And uh, some of these warehouses are not, you know, they're not historically significant. Uh, some people just laugh and say they didn't even know those were laws. Not a thing. Okay. Uh, oh, they usually always blame it on whoever owns the building. Okay. They're like, not not our fault. We don't own the building. It's like, no, you. Everybody's responsible. Uh, I've got, I've had some mild success. Uh, I've had some people argue with me. And how do you approach a building owner? Like, how, what's the best method? I'm pretty blunt anymore. I've been in chair for a little over 19 years. Yep. Yep. So I just, I just roll up to them and say, hey, you don't have a ramp. And I tell them, no, it's against federal and state law. There's a really big fine if you don't. Mm-hmm. I said, let's get, uh, I've, I've tried the nice approach. It doesn't work. Yeah. You just have to be firm, not mean, but firm. That's great. That's great. I think a lot of people in wheelchairs are very afraid to do that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to do it for so long. I didn't want to be that guy. That's what we all worry about. I don't want to be that woman. Right. But so what after do you do? So many years and after running so many businesses, yep. I don't feel that I should have to work extra hard to spend my money at your store. Good so yep. people Very are either going to put up a ramp or I'll take my business elsewhere. It doesn't bother me. I think that's a great way to look at it. Most people in chairs need, takes them a few years to get brave enough. But once you get brave enough, we need yeah. more advocates. We need more people to get out there. So 
and, and getting older and more mature has helped a bunch. And I just don't care as much about what people, uh, what they think. Yeah. I, I, I have things I need to get done. Right. In this life of ours, and life is short. You got, you only have so many years, right? If I want to try to be an advocate and make a change in this life. We got to do it today. So yeah, I want to be able to help the next guy. So maybe he doesn't have to encounter. Like I've, I've met a lot of business owners. They're like, well, you're the first person that's ever been here in a chair. And it's like, because your parking lot is four inches of loose gravel. I'm the only one dumb enough to go through it. Yeah, you're you're a younger guy that has the balls to do it. Most old people are going to go like, no, that's too much work for me. You know, oh, or even somebody in my same physical situation that doesn't have the strength that I would. Right. They would just drive down the road. And when I explain that to them, they kind of a light bulb goes off in their head that should have went off anyway. <laughs> you know, or they'll be like, oh, my nephew's in a chair. And I'm like. Why don't you make your business successful? What do you really think about it? People. People drive me nuts. It's really, really funny. I think when you become paralyzed, it's such, you know, I didn't really think about this though before I was in a chair, you know, I'll be real. That is how it was. So I think, were you aware of any of this before you got injured? You were 18, right? When you got injured? I was 18 and mm -hmm. I was, at that time, I was already building houses. I was doing concrete work and I was, you know, I was going to school for construction. So I knew about ramps and ADA stuff. I just thought it was part of building right. uh, at a young age. But I didn't know anybody in the chair. I knew nothing about accessibility. Mm -hmm. I just knew from my teachers that this is code. This is why you build it to code. But so many places have built new buildings not to code. Yeah. Because wow. the cities don't enforce it, typically. And it's up to people like me and you know, I, I've made a few enemies here and there, you know, but I, I, I don't really care. I'll go, I'll go down the road to another business, but I will still make sure they get a rent put in. Have you ever went so far as to contact a lawyer or to have like a lawyer that like, is like your, you know, your, your, your like your Robin to your Batman? Well, the state of Missouri and I are taking care of one company. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're litigating on my behalf. So I've officially kind of turned them in. Uh, but I've been arguing with them for months and they won't do anything. And this is a place I've spent over a hundred thousand dollars at and they aren't good enough to, and these are people I've known for 30 years. Escalated it a little bit. And I, I warned them, I said, you screw around. You're going to find out. <laughs> do you want to name names? Can we name who this, the company is or probably not, not a good idea yet. Oh yeah. It's a forklift of Cape in Southeast Missouri. All right. There it is. All right. Well, can I ask you a little bit just how you were injured? I did the Googling. I know, but for people listening, do you mind just briefly sharing your injury story? Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really not too exciting. Mm -hmm. um, when I was 18, right after high school, uh, I was actually teaching my girlfriend at the time how to drive a manual transmission because that's what my truck was. And uh, she just got a little loose on a county road. We were going 15, 20 miles an hour. And the truck rolled one time. I didn't have my seatbelt on, and I broke C five and six. Wow, and that's crazy! You hit your head on the roof. Yep. So did the car have to roll for that to happen, or was it just like it rolled? Uh, so the mm -hmm. edge of the road mm -hmm. kind of dropped off a whole bunch. It was a big embankment. Oh, okay. And when it when it hit the edge, it just kind of just went on its top, pretty much. Like, it wasn't this big, devastating crash. It right. That can happen that way. Yeah. Nobody was drinking. I had just gotten off work. Man. I was building basements that day, you know. And so, wow. 
they were going swimming because it was too hot. <laughs> so did you know right away, like, yeah, I broke my neck. This is definitely, did, or were you kind of confused about it? No I was terrified, confused. I just didn't know. Uh, I thought I was an invincible six foot, 200 pound kid. I thought nothing could hurt me. And I knew my neck hurt really bad. And uh, it was the worst helicopter ride I've ever had. And I like helicopters. Oh, you had a helicopter ride. Where'd they take you? Uh, to St. Francis here in uh, Cape Girardeau. We do have a, a trauma center. Okay. And that's where they did the fusion and then put me in a halo and all. And how long were you in the hospital? How long did they keep you in that jail? <laughs> uh, well, just two weeks in Cape and then I went to St. Louis. St. So, so at the time, Cape was still building their outpatient or inpatient rehab centers where there wasn't anything here. So, but they had some of the best spinal surgeons in the country, uh, luckily. So I had a really good surgeon and then they shipped me up to St. Louis. That was three and a half months total. Wow. And then you went home. I see that you have an incomplete injury. So were you able to learn how to do all of your own daily living, the activity, you know, needs and stuff? It took some time, but uh, I was, well, I was back driving within nine months. That's awesome. So I was pretty, probably five or six months and I could pretty much handle everything myself. That's awesome. I can't believe that. That's very fast, I would say. I think that's pretty dang good. I'm very stubborn. So you have one pretty good hand, I think, right? That you can use almost pretty normally. That's awesome. And that makes it easy. It has dexterity, not full dexterity. Okay. The, the, what is it? Like 35 pounds of grip strength. Cool. which I'm very, very fortunate. They used to be a lot more than that, but I've had more surgeries since that oh, surgery. Okay. I'm wow. pretty hard myself. Well, I, I'm jealous. I won't lie, but that's okay. We'll talk about that. But um, so yeah, let's, I do what I do. <laughs> no, no. Um, I know how you feel in a, um, in a certain way. I mean, my right hand didn't get good for about a year. Okay. So um, even though I was driving, um, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> a little sketchy sometimes so how did you become a motivational speaker after your injury was this something that happened right away or was it several years after uh, quite a few years after it was mm -hmm. after i started my metal shop uh, somebody at the hospital reached out to me and said hey you want to do think the think first program okay and he was the school board president of where i used to go to school and he just like come with me i was like sure why why not? I have no training. I have no idea what I was doing. Whoa. Okay. So he's, he's like, oh, you'll be fine. But I, I've been on the news a couple of times and I've, uh, there's been, there have been some stories written about. My so business. people knew about your injury and that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, yeah. The hospitals did. Okay. <laughs> they, uh, I'm a frequent flyer at the hospitals. I'm always there. <laughs> In more injuries and get burned mostly. No. Is that from your welding and stuff? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's we're gonna talk about that after. But I just I always I was asked to be a speaker for Think First, and I was like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I I don't know. I felt a little bit embarrassed about like, don't be stupid like me and break your neck. Well, <laughs> I, that's why that's I didn't want to do much it. What I was <laughs> that's that was pretty much my speech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I felt. I felt that with, with see by that point I was already racing uh, rally cars, so cool. I come in there. I come in there with all my safety gear and all the cool stuff. Nice. I was, I was hoping that would 
maybe my message would get through. Because I remember high school. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they call it. When speakers would come into the high school, we would not pay attention at all. Oh, God, no. Me either. It was, it was like, hey, we got out of class for the day. But when I showed him, you know, me jumping the car and all this stuff, I said, look, I'm not trying to ruin your fun. I'm here to make your, make, prolong your fun. You know, like this chair is not, this chair is not fun. So you just, a little seatbelt. That's good. Goes a long way. And but yeah. I, I didn't want to be the boring old guy. So I, oh, yeah, I showed yeah. up with a racing helmet and all my head and neck restraints and all my. Love it. I bet so, you got through to a lot of kids. How many, how many years did you do it? Are you still doing it? Uh, no, just did it for a couple of years. And then I went back to more focusing on my business. And... All right. Well, that's what we're, I want to talk about. So you have all these businesses going on, like you're a welder, metal artist, fabricator guy, and then you do rally racing. And was this stuff all that you wanted or were interested in before you broke your, your neck? Or was all, are these like all things that you discovered post-injury? All posted. Wow. Cool. Uh, Pre-injury, I wanted to be a heavy equipment operator and a carpenter. And that's what I was doing before I, you know, got hurt. I was running heavy equipment. I was enrolled to go to school and get my my certificates for with Caterpillar, and cool. I was ready to do the whole thing. And then, you know, then this happened, and it took a couple of years to hold on. Say, how you going? What's up, Al? Hey, we're doing a podcast, Al. Hey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. How you doing? Good. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, it feels good in here. I know it's hot out there. Isn't it? <laughs> you didn't get to turn down though. 82? <laughs> I didn't mess with that. Huh? I didn't mess with that. Hey, we feel a little warm in here a little bit. Oh, that's fine. All right, you know, get on over here. All right, have a All right. It's like real life in the house of Chris Arabic over there. That's cool. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. I'm at my other job because I don't seem to have enough jobs. Well, you are busy. Well, okay, don't worry about that. I think that's kind of funny. But so all right, so you should be the I- last driver that there's so they put me in the, my office is in the old body shop of this oh, building. Okay. So they keep all their it's an independent living center. So all their vans are in here. Oh, he nice. was the last driver for the day. I forgot about that. Is he the guy that picks up people and drives them around to their homes? <laughs> that's so He's my only male coworker. I have 40 female coworkers here. Oh, no. That's a lot. Uh, no, like, everything that I've done is pretty much new interest. Well, I still love to build things. I've been building things since I was little. And because I couldn't really hold a hammer and a nail, and screw guns and all the cool stuff we have now didn't exist. Uh, but I – it's a whole story, too. I really became a welder yeah. so I could build race cars. That's pretty much what happened. And it, it turns out a welder I could I could trigger with my hand. And a welder was easier for me to use than a hammer. I see. That, see, so there I, you go. That's so, it, I, so I became a welder. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Because that makes sense. That welder, they're so powerful by themselves. You just got to be able to control control it, right? The welder. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's easier than people think. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, had, I've got a few other people in chairs back to welding because they didn't think they could and yeah i'm like man yeah you can <laughs> is it very satisfying to be in the in it with the mask and 
building things like that. I mean, I've seen some videos of you, like you're like bending over in your chair, you're down in it. Like, Oh, <laughs> if you had, you had no idea. No wonder you get injured all the time and you're at the hospital. <laughs> I used I to have this, it's this fun 14, I had this, this Bobcat, which is a, like a track skid steer. Mm -hmm. It was one of the ones I had in my business and I would get in the bucket of it and I would have my 14 year old, because my friend's kid, who was 14. I was in the bucket. He was in the machine, and he'd be picking me up to weld and things. <laughs> you know, I like since I had my own business, OSHA didn't really care about me, so I put myself in a lot of precarious positions over the years. What do you ever like build this art commissioned art pieces, or is it usually just like parts for cars? Uh, my most uh, a lot of art. Okay. Um, Sculpture is my favorite. And I just took a commission work on a big sign uh, to do. I get to start that. Cool. So in my free time. So I love <laughs> that. that yeah, is. it's so interesting. You know, I think, you know, getting into an art after an injury is really therapeutic as well. Do you find it to be soothing to the soul as well to be creating? Yeah, it's a, uh, I like being creative. Yeah. And I like doing things that other people haven't done. And most everything what I do is, is one off. It's I very rarely duplicate anything. So cool. But I, I've kind of done it all. You've seen the, the pictures I've worked on heavy equipment. To, <laughs> I'll make little roses and flowers. And the first thing I ever made was actually a sunflower. Uh, made out of metal? Yep. So my that one metal sunflower has now evolved into 30-foot vintage signs that are all lit up. Like Oh, my God. You, do you have a website yeah. where people can see these things on your, is it on your Instagram mainly or uh, Instagram mainly okay. and uh, Facebook, the yeah. Apple Creek Metalworks on Facebook. You should get your I haven't updated it much lately because I just built the new shop. So Love it. I've seen so many people recreate vintage signs. Like they're recreating these vintage signs all across the United States. Like these old motel signs are being recreated. So there's a business opportunity there. If you want to start recreating old vintage shit, people oh. love that stuff. Mm -hmm. I well, love it. I know. And it's really fun. No, it's, I, I like it. It's very interesting. I love it. I can talk um, to you all the time. We don't have the time. So here's what I really want to talk to you about before we run out of Zoom time, because Zoom's going to start yelling at me and I'm going to get all crappy because I want to ask you about your driving school. You're creating oh. an adaptive driving school. This is, are you still planning this, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So how far along are you in getting this business like up and running? I know you told me you, you found an old Air Force base or something. Yeah, I, I bought some property on an Air Force base, a, a retired one, and I worked out deals with the owners of the, the old runways, and they're like, oh, heck yeah, Chris, you come down here, do whatever you want. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to start an adaptive driving school. And this is my holy grail. This is what I've been wanting to do for 15, 20, you know, not 20 years, but for probably the last 18 years, because I wish it was around when I got hurt, something like this. And it, the way I'm doing it doesn't exist because it's going to be fully inclusive. You don't have to be a veteran. You just have to be alive. And, <laughs> and if I don't have a vehicle that you can drive between my fab shop and all my friends, we'll make it happen. So cool. I love this. Mm -hmm. And we're even going to teach blind people how to drive. This is crazy. Okay. Is this because you're going to use like sensor stuff, like AIs or something or, or no? no. Uh, so I do stage rally car driving. So then it's me and a co-pilot. And when we race our rallies, where they're essentially ran blind because we're not allowed to see the roads ahead of time, 
So my co-driver is always just telling me in my ear, my intercom, where to go. So we're going to do the same concept where I have some of my rally driving friends, they're going to co-drive for us and they're just going to coach them on, they're going to have to get a system work. They'll have to work together and get a number system and a communication going. So if you're visually impaired in any degree, we've got four miles of runway where you can put, you know, get in a convertible, put the top down. Fun. Obviously you can't drive on the highway. But Unfortunately. Yes, it's true, but they could still enjoy you know, being on the road for four miles. And then, you know, if it was someone, let's say they used to be able to drive, so they miss it. That's something that they would really love to relive. I know I, I used to have some friends in college that were blind and um, that's, they would, they would love to do that. I know it so cool and what i'm selling is really an experience like i want people to be able to experience the things that able-bodied people get to experience easily Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's this the last 20 years is all i've been trying to do is i really just want to do what my friends do so that's why we're going to have hand controlled go-karts like hand controlled go-karts for the kids like my go-karts go 70 i love it i think all i think i don't care I don't, why don't why don't all go karts like a single? They none of them have hand controls. I've only seen like one on the internet that has them, and I don't even know. So that's great you're making those accessible. Yeah, Atlanta has one. Even Disney World doesn't have hand control anything. You think they would? You yeah. know, they're trying to be so nice. Everybody. I so we're I, just gonna do that here. I love it. And I've partnered with the, group and the, the part-time t- job that I'm at. Go ahead. No, I just before I just wanted to know because I think people are out there wondering. No, your driving school is it going to be regular driving school? Like we're going to teach you how to be a good driver on the regular roads, or is it pure rally racing school? It's all of it. All of it. So if you want to, if it's your very first time touching hand controls, mm-hmm. all the way to advanced driving tech. Okay. One of my instructors is a professional driver. Cool. And I like semi-professional i don't know i'm not very good but i can i can make it go fast (laughs) so it'll be everybody and then the missouri department of transportation they want me to teach just regular high school kids yeah yeah. so sure why not let's like i don't want to be exclusive anybody right everybody as long as you're alive i love that as long as you're alive we will teach you how to drive i love it okay so then SEMO Alliance for Disability Independence, which is an independent living center. Okay. We've kind of, we've partnered on the basic driving courses. Uh, so that's my part-time job. That's where I'm, I'm here. I'm build so what are you doing? Stuff. What do you do exactly then for them? Uh, well, I'm organizing their driving school, which is, is in conjunction with mine. Cause I found out they wanted to start one too. Cool. So I said, why don't, why we, why are we going to compete from the same area? You shouldn't do it. They're, so we yeah. just partnered up on Good idea. And we're going to have hand-controlled driving simulators, too. What does that mean? Uh, like full-motion simulators, like a race car simulator, but Cool. There's so not you'll have, like, full wrap-around screens and the whole, the whole That's like a ride, almost. I want to do that. You could, like, do well, a yeah, video game, well, like, drive through Egypt and shit. That would be so cool. <laughs> well, yeah, you can upload anything you want to these programs. And, yeah. and we're going to teach people who have autism and other things to drive. And it's easier to get them started in simulators to get them more comfortable. before. And then we can take them to the airfield. And then we yep. can take them on the highway. How do you so, even get a simulator? Like, is that something you have to make, or do you, or is there a place to buy stuff like that? Uh, you can buy them, and they're very expensive. But I also can probably build one. I've I've got all it 
I'm working with my boss about how to build it. Cool. I have my ideas. She has her ideas. So. I love <laughs> my it. Ideas um, You're like a mad professor, kind of. Yes. Well, I just, I, I have a lot of interest in a lot of different things. And the other problem is the stuff that I want to do, there's not people really out there doing it um, to any large degree, or we don't hear about them. Right. And that's why I want to do more podcasts and do and get it out there because I know there's other people like me out there. Yeah. They're just they're hiding in their houses. They're hiding in their houses. Yeah. Get out, get out of your damn house. <laughs> I bet you there's you know, probably some people right in Missouri that are probably not out leaving their homes. Relatively close to you, even probably so. Oh yeah. Well I've also found out and I've been working on this school for about a year. Mm-hmm. that our hospitals down here cut all their driving rehab programs. No way. So I've been meeting, I've met guys two years post-injury, don't even know what hand controls are. What? They don't, they don't even, even know they, know they are? could Because they're, it's, it's a whole deal that actually makes me kind of upset. That's disgusting. I've, I feel massive, bad for those guys. There's been a massive failure. Well, they're, they're basically told they can't do it. Cause they don't even, they're not even given the option. And I'm like, yeah, put hand controls on whatever you want. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. And they're like, well, we had no idea. Thank God they're meeting you know, people like yourself. Stuff. How did you find these guys coming through the, coming through just the independent living center then, or. Uh, it's a gym. That's a gym. <laughs> it's okay. So. Okay. You work out. I, I've mm-hmm. Kind of. I, I hired a trainer for a little bit until my new shop got built. Now I'm too tired to go to a gym. Yeah. Uh, but I went there for therapy because I had a second neck fusion and then I had a bunch of nerve damage in my arm. Oh no. So the gym and the the gym and the rehab floor is on the same floor. Okay. So I would run into them and just kind of casually meet these guys and and they'll they'll, they'll always ask or their wives will ask, like, do you drive? I'm like, Of course I do. <laughs> well, how do you do that? It's like, how do you not know this? How do they not know this is right? <laughs> you know, I feel like I, it's standard. Like when you leave your rehab, they should tell you this. They were not told this. It's crazy. They were not told this. And and luckily I went to rehab in St. Louis yep. at a very big hospital. And yep. they had people bring hand control vans. I was still in the halo and I knew <laughs> what hand controls were. Uh, but, but in more rural areas, they these resources aren't available. And most people who break their necks and break their backs are farm kids on four wheelers. Those four wheelers are dangerous little machines, aren't they? They're very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up with them, and I luckily I didn't got hurt on them. <sighs> I still got hurt, but I was got hurt on a gravel road out in the country. You know, same. So I just think there's a there's a lack of availability in this in this area. So well, this God. is my home hometown. You got to keep doing that. I know that with, with you think, oh, they're just going to go on Facebook and find the spinal cord injury worldwide peer support group and they'll just be great. But these people that you're meeting, it sounds like they're not really Googling like spinal cord injury information either. Are they? Or No, they're not. And which mind boggles me because when I got hurt, Google didn't really exist yet. I mean, <laughs> not 20 years like, ago. I couldn't really YouTube. I couldn't YouTube anything. There wasn't no, much no. in 2000. No, you were. You no, know, we didn't have smartphones. No, they were not. Uh, but all these things that I've taken interest in, I research constantly. And my, my dad's a research scientist. So he okay. he's taught me since I was a little kid. Uh, if you want to find something out, just 
research it, read books and watch yeah. videos and, and meet the people you need to meet that know how to do the thing you want to do. <laughs> and that's why YouTube is you know. so awesome. You can teach yourself anything on there. Almost. Oh, it's a fantastic tool. And, mm -hmm. and it, it brings exposure to more adaptive technologies that are out there. And, but these guys are newly injured. And like we talked about in the beginning, we didn't know anything about wheelchair anything before our accident. Yeah. So these, these guys and girls are getting hurt and they don't even know, it doesn't even cross their mind to look it up because they don't even know what to look up. So sad. Because it's they're, not, they're not given that, they're not given that initial bit of information. No. Like no. I got lucky. I had fantastic physical therapists and occupational therapists. I'm still friends with all of them. Oh, like really? they gave me all they gave me these wonderful basic tools to get me to where I'm at today. And awesome. I just got lucky and I know other people haven't got the same opportunities that I did. So I want to fix that. <laughs> I love it. I think that you're I don't talk to my therapist. So that's amazing. 20 years. I'm in it 30 years for me, but it is not time goes by quick, I will say that as a paralyzed person for several decades as you are too it, it goes kind of good but i'm glad that you know you see what you're doing healthy today are you are you are you nursing any wounds right now as we speak uh no i don't think so that's good have I'm you ever broken sure i know have you ever broken like a major like femur bone or an arm bone doing any of your welding work or anything or, or rally racing no that's good no uh, other than nerve damage and stuff but that was from mm, yeah. from welding and yeah. I'm always on my elbows, and you've seen the pictures. I put myself in weird spots. So. I have. I'm like, that's pretty I interesting. Another, mm -hmm. so I'm, I've got three fused vertebrae now because okay. I, I used to like lay my head on stuff so I could have my arms free for welding. So I'd support my body weight with my neck. Ooh, but your doctor hated hearing that. <laughs> yeah, but he sure liked doing the surgery. Yeah, well, it's not so, well, so I, I don't know. If I'll, I don't know if I'll get to race quite like I used to. My neck hurts pretty bad anymore. Okay. Um, but I'll, I'll teach other people how to do it. <laughs> yeah, rally racing can be dangerous because of the impact, right, with the other vehicles. So you just don't want to risk hurting your neck again. I'm just smart. Yeah, we've actually had a couple deaths this year in our sport, which is pretty rare, actually. What? A death? Are, are you guys going really, really? What's the max speed you guys go for that? 140. Oh, it's so. I, I always think it's more like demo derby, but rally racing is totally different. Yeah. Now these are single lane gravel roads within like forests and trees and cliffs oh, and lakes. So they hit trees and stuff then. That's. Oh yeah, yeah. Trees are a big. Because um, we're on public roads, we just we get them closed down and we race against the clock. Whoa. So it's oh. uh, it's like country road cruising when you're a kid but legal and really fast this is like dukes of hazard yeah it's crazy imagine dukes mm. imagine dukes of hazard that's pretty much what we did just a whole lot faster and we have helmets and you know six five and six point harnesses and, oh, like it's that. relatively safe um but i i know if i got into a big impact my my neck really doesn't bend anymore you so. do not want to risk i gotta it. be careful you can be the guy behind but once i seat. get my car rebuilt i'll do it you'll do it <laughs> don't do it all right well i gotta let you go because we we're running out of time but i have one more question for you and this is a little off topic but you're 37 i are you married to your kids what do you want that in life what is your your own personal life you know mm -hmm. Uh, not married, no kids. No? Okay. Uh -huh. Well, you know, as a guy, 
would you want that one day? Are you looking for that? I are, are you know, I always like to ask people in chairs this because I think it's a, you know, they have their their personal dreams. So I was just curious. Oh yeah. No, I don't want to be alone forever. I just and I've had a lot of girlfriends over the years. Just, okay. Okay. I'm very focused and very driven to do all these things that I want to do. And that doesn't really work with relationships most of the time. I'm I'm busy constantly. I never quit working. And it's hard to have a relationship in that situation yeah it's so hard when you're passionate about artists see this probably happened for a lot of artists because they're in the studio all the time doing art and maybe there's significant others like well, i need you to come home for dinner and like well, i'm gonna work till 10 sorry goodbye yeah <laughs> you know that's been a problem and part of it i just haven't found that uh i'm well, sure that person's out there somewhere but. well you are in a small town which makes it difficult of course to meet people in small towns but especially when you don't go out and do that i'm always out and about Okay. Or in like social situations. Like I don't go, like I don't go out on the town. I don't go to restaurants. Or I don't try to meet people. If I'm out, it's business related. I'm, okay. I'm buying metal or I'm buying something for my business or I'm, I'm, I'm out a lot, but not to meet people. All right. Well, thanks for answering. You know, I always, back before I worked in this capacity, when I was newly injured in my 20s, I would write uh, dating columns for disabled people online. And I'm always like trying to get people to meet people. I believe there's someone out there for everybody. I really do. So, but anyways, if you ever think about going online and doing online dating, you can ask me some advice on the low though. We'll talk about this later, but I have advice. I always have advice on that. It's, oh, yeah. I don't listen. It's not easy dating in a chair. I always think that is interesting, especially in small towns because everybody knows your story. So that's always annoying. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's just, there's just not a lot to pick from and somebody's got to be okay with the lifestyle that I have beyond even my chair and be cool with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm probably going to miss a dinner. <laughs> I know I'm going to miss a dinner. I know. Well, thanks for sharing. I think, you know, it's, it's great to hear people's stories and yours down there in Missouri, I think is awesome. You're doing so many good things for the community. And I think that's your purpose yeah, in life. I want the nationwide. I want everybody to come here. It's, I want to do it to serve this area because it's a poor part of the world yep. and we just don't have a lot of stuff going on, but I want people to fly here from Utah or Florida. Like I want to develop something that special. You should do it. That you should people, start a nonprofit. Do it. I'll come down. You should start a nonprofit where you can like um have like, oh, we'll come down, come down and we'll teach you for a weekend some driving stuff. You could totally do that. Get like a fundraisers going. There's a whole world awaiting you down there if you do that driving yeah. thing. All that's uh, in the in the in the doctor and the it's all being kind of done exactly how you're talking. It's all going to be run nonprofit. I love it. Well, when you get it up and that way, I don't exclude anybody. I don't want to exclude anybody. I just, now if somebody wants a lot of advanced training, well, you're going to have to pay for it. Just like I paid for stuff. Dang right. But I want to provide the experience at a low cost. And if you get hooked on it, then you'll do, you'll change your whole life to do it. So Cause I did. I love to drive too. I'm a, I have a minivan though, but I love to drive it. It's so fun. Well, um, it's freedom. Mm -hmm. it's, driving is everything. It's freedom. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's, there's something so, about it. You know, you can't use your legs, but uh, love wheels. So, all right. Well, I'm going to let you go because I could talk about cars and stuff too for too long. And I think Zoom is literally about to kick us out. So thank you again, Chris. And do you have um, an Instagram handle you would like to share real quick? 
Uh, yeah, it's uh, C-R-A-B-I-K-713. Okay. Uh, that would be my Instagram channel. And then uh, I'm on TikTok, which is my last name backwards, K-I-V-A-R-H-86. Okay. And I post a lot of videos and of the work that I'm doing and a lot of just goofy dumb shit. All right. I think people want to watch you. I know I'm going to. So thanks again. And when you have your school up and running, I'm going to ask you to come back on and we can ask you how it's going. Oh, yeah. We'll do the Zoom from the airbase. That's going to be awesome. Okay. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Have a great day. And uh, thanks. Thank you. Bye, Chris. Yep. Bye.